Hi everyone, welcome to How to Live, a podcast that explores ways to live a good life. I'm your host Sharad Lal. This is episode 18. Today we'll talk about regrets. Most of us have some regrets in life. Here are some examples. I regret cheating on my boyfriend for 7 years instead of breaking up with him. My deepest regret for 52 years is living fearfully. I was afraid of looking foolish so I didn't try too many things. I regret not spending enough time with my kids when they were young. Now they've grown up and we don't have a bond. Regret is a complex emotion. It combines anger, shame, self-blame, helplessness, anxiety, remorse, and many other negative emotions. Most of us hold regrets for years and decades. They weigh us down. But these can be valuable and helpful. In today's episode, we'll deep dive into this emotion. We look at what regret tells us about ourselves, how we can use them to grow, and how regrets form a pathway towards fulfillment and purpose. We refer to the work done by Daniel Pink from his book The Power of Regret as the primary source of our information. But before getting into this episode, thank you very much to you listening. With your support, we're among the top 5% of all podcasts globally. We're listened to in over 60 countries. Thank you for making this happen. Please do consider leaving us a rating on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you're listening to this. Thank you in advance. Back to the episode. In the Olympics, medals are given to the top three winners. Gold is given to the athlete who finishes first, silver to the one second, and bronze to the third. Among them, who do you think is the happiest? That's easy. The gold medalist. The second happiest. One would think the silver medalist, and the bronze medalist being the least happy. But think again. What would the silver medalist be thinking? If only I trained harder. If only I'd gotten off the blocks faster. If only I had longer legs, and so on. What would the bronze medalist be thinking? At least I was in the top three. At least I won an Olympic medal. At least my name will go down in the history books. It sounds a little counterintuitive, but bronze medalists are happier than silver medalists. This isn't just us saying it. There's a whole body of evidence to back this. In a famous study conducted during the 1992 Barcelona Olympic Games, researchers got people with no awareness of the games to rate the facial expressions of silver and bronze medalists on a scale of agony to ecstasy. They found overwhelming evidence of bronze medalists to be happier than silver medalists. In the interviews later, bronze medalists were heard using the word at least very often. while the silver medalists were using the words if only this study has been replicated multiple times in different settings the results have always been the same bronze medalists are happier than silver medalists the at least attitude that bronze medalists have is a positive attitude it's gratitude for what we have it makes us feel good happy warm and fuzzy while the if only attitude is difficult it's sad anxious angry remorseful it's not fun We hate ourselves in that moment. But here's the catch. While the at least attitude is pleasant, it's the if only attitude that helps us grow. Regret is the ultimate if only attitude. With regret, we feel unpleasant and many complex difficult emotions. But when handled right, this can be very valuable. And again, this isn't just us saying it. Multiple studies conducted by folks in London Business School, Columbia University, and many others have shown this. They found that regret when handled correctly helps us grow in two ways. From an everyday life perspective, it enhances our performance and decision-making skills. 
This happens because in order to avoid that negative feeling of regret again, we slow down, collect more information, consider wider options, and then reach conclusions. Having faced failure, we are more persistent and this again elevates performance. Secondly, from a depth perspective, it strengthens our sense of meaning and connection. As we look at all our regrets, we get a sense of what's missing in our life and what's really important. For example, if we do a midlife review of regrets, we often revise our life goals to make them more meaningful and have a stronger motivation towards them. Now, as I share all this research, many of you will be thinking, wait a minute, that's not what regret is. My experience has been very different from what you've described here. I broke the closest friendship I ever had because of some petty matter. It's been 20 years and I regret it even today. Or I turned out the perfect job offer and ever since my career has gone downhill. I regret it every morning I go to work. Or I lied to get ahead in life and put the blame on an innocent person. I regret what I did deeply and I haven't been able to forgive myself till today. And you'd be right in thinking so. Because regret is so negatively embedded in us that it's impossible to imagine how we can grow from this. To grow from regret, it needs to be handled correctly. But it's such a difficult emotion that most of us fail to do so. Some of us bury it and say, we have no regrets. But it comes back periodically to harm us and even changes the way we approach life. Or we put a positive spin to it with the at least attitude. This does provide temporary relief, but it doesn't enable us to learn from our mistakes. Or this is the most common response. We get completely consumed by our emotions of regret. We are so overwhelmed that we cannot process this emotion and we simply wallow in it. So how do we grow from regret versus getting consumed by this avalanche of emotions? Let's first visualize this avalanche of emotions. We can do this through a concept called rumination. Rumination is constantly repeating the same event in our mind multiple times. If only I had not said those nasty words. If only we cancel the trip. These short regretful stories keep coming back to us in bursts. They consume us, they envelope us, they bring out multiple emotions. Self-blame is a big emotion that comes out. Why did I do this? I'm so stupid, I'm so foolish, I'm a monster. Helplessness is another emotion. I can't undo what I've done. I'll take this to my grave. Why didn't I do this or why didn't I do that? It's the same story again and again that repeats in a circular pattern. The story never moves forward. That's why we are stuck in it for years. The key here is to move the story forward to get out of this loop. There are many ways of doing it. A simple tool is journaling. Writing down our emotions. As we write our emotions, we are forced to move the thought forward because we cannot just sit there writing the same thing. By moving the thought forward, we get to experience all the underlying emotions and are then able to process regret. This is backed by empirical evidence. Psychologist James Pennybaker calls this expressive writing and has proven empirically that writing down our most difficult emotions can help us heal. We talked about rumination and expressive writing in great detail in Episode 4, Managing Everyday Stress. For folks interested, please do check out that episode. There are other tools that help us process our emotions so we don't get consumed in them. For example, distancing ourselves from the event treating ourselves with compassion, and many more. We will be discussing this as a separate topic in future episodes. 
So whatever tool we use, the key is to be able to process these emotions and then grow from regret by making better decisions and enhancing our performance. This serves us very well in everyday life. But what's even more powerful is the second huge benefit that regret provides. It tells us about ourselves. What's important to us? What are we longing? And this provides a path towards meaning and fulfillment. To understand how this happens, let's look at the types of regrets. Daniel Pink classifies regrets into four broad categories. The first is foundational regrets. These are about the basic foundations of life. Education, family, community, career, money, safety, etc. It's regrets about not completing one's education or not establishing a stable career or not having enough savings, etc. It normally sounds like this. If only I'd done the work. The words too much and too little indicate foundational regret. Too much TV, too much partying, too much spending, too little saving, too little commitment. The second type of regrets are boldness regrets. This is the opposite of foundation regrets. It's regrets about not taking a chance and playing it safe. For example, regret about not starting a business or not traveling enough or not having enough fun in our youth. These are typically inactions versus actions. Based on research, inaction regrets are two times action regrets. They sound like what if. What if I'd quit my job? What if I'd married the girl I loved? Typically, they represent a lack of growth, a lack of being brave, a lack of being evolved, and ultimately, a lack of living life fully. The third type of regrets are connection regrets. These are about relationships. This is the largest category of regrets because they threaten our sense of belonging. This is the core of who we are. These sound like, if only I'd reached out. If only I'd made up, we'd still be friends. If only I'd sent that email, we'd still be connected. The fourth type of regrets are moral regrets. These are about harming others, cheating, disloyalty, disrespect, etc. They make up 10% of all regrets, but they hurt the most and they last the longest. They sound like, if only I'd done the right thing. If only I'd stood up for my friend. If only I had come clean. Now, why is it important to look at all these categories of regret? This is because we are now moving from a micro picture of one regret to a macro picture of all our regrets. By reflecting on all our regrets, big and small, one might realize that most of our regrets sit in one category, whether it's foundational regrets or connection regrets or any other. This serves as a useful self-awareness tool. It tells us that there's a part of us, very important to us, that is unfulfilled. If we work towards filling this gap in life, we can find fulfillment and meaning. Now, if most of our regrets are foundational, it tells us we need to build a fundamental structure of safety, a secure platform of home, family, money, career, or whatever version is relevant to us. We've spent too much time exploring, trying new experiences, floating around, and too little in laying a solid foundation for our life. Because of this, we're now insecure and fearful of the future. If we have a lot of boldness regrets, it tells us that we are not living life fully. We are stuck in a safe path or maybe a path somebody else has chosen for us and we are resentful about it, maybe even bored with our life. We want to break free, take some risks, try new things and live life fully. If we have a lot of connection regrets, it tells us that we are scared of being alone and lonely. 
Our relationships are not deep. Maybe we've treated our loved ones shabbily, not made time for them, not been reciprocal or anything in this realm. We want to mend some old relationships and create deeper bonds. And lastly, moral regrets tell us that we've not stood up for what we believe in. We've often let ourselves and people around us down. This regret signals to us that we need to live closer to our values and have a stronger sense of self. This way, depending on what bucket our regrets lie in, we can get a good sense of what's missing in our life, what's important to us, and then we can focus on that area for fulfillment. Sometimes when we study regrets, we realize that they're not part of any of the categories mentioned above. Maybe most of our regrets have arisen out of anger. Anger has made us sabotage our relationships, our career, our well-being. This again is good intel on ourselves. It need not be any of the categories mentioned above. But by being able to understand where our regrets lie, we know what we need to do to grow, find peace and find fulfillment. Regrets are from our past. But if we look at them as a gateway to the future, they become empowering. Like someone said, the best time to deepen an important relationship or start investing wisely or become an entrepreneur may have been 20 years ago. The second best time is now. If any of this resonated with you, here are two action steps you could consider. First, think of one regret that's affected you. Take some time to write it down. Maybe you could describe the incident and then describe all the feelings around it. Don't hold back. Use whatever language you like. Give yourself 15-20 minutes to do this. After writing, check in with yourself and see how you feel. Did you learn anything about yourself? What can you do better next time? How do you feel about your regret now? A second exercise you could try is a regret review. Set aside an hour to reflect on all your regrets in life. Note down whatever comes up, small, big, all of them. Once you've got most of your regrets down, see what it tells you about yourself. From this, is there an area that you could focus on and work on? How will this give you fulfillment in life? I wish you all the best as you work through regrets. Let's end today's episode with a short passage from the great poet David White. Sincere regret may be a faculty for paying attention to the future, for sensing a new tide where we missed the previous one for experiencing timelessness with a grandchild where we neglected a boy of our own. Fully experienced regrets turn our eyes attentive and alert for a future possibly lived better than the past. That's all for today's episode. Wish all of you a wonderful day ahead. Bye-bye.